Ah, who knew? Well, God knows all things, so obviously he did. But other than him, who knew? Who could even have known if we were not told would we have ever been able to figure it out on our own? There are things revealed to us in the Scripture which we would never have seen coming. And often, even when God told us beforehand in his word that they were coming, we could scarcely take it in when we first saw it with our own eyes. And some never do understand and never do accept that God would send his one and only son into this world to die for the sins of humankind is one such thing. It is not something we would have ever thought of, not in our wildest imaginations. God hinted at it in the garden after the fall, and prophecy followed prophecy as he declared his intentions, and still none saw or understood, and the best of them longed to look into it, but all they had was a glimpse at a distance. And then he did it. <laughs> and now it has been in our world for so long that many have become ignored to it and think of it foolishly as just one more religion in a world full of religions. And yet when we do come to him in faith, it is as though it takes us by surprise, for it stands everything that we thought we knew about it on its head. And for the first time in our lifetime, we appreciate something of the wonder of what Christ did on that cross, don't we? It is a truth bigger than our imagination, and it almost swamps our understanding. And then, too, there is that dividing wall between the Jew and Gentile, which was erased by our Savior. Now, I know we in our day are, are aware that there are some differences between us, yes, but but to us, they seem small and, and quaint, and, and they don't feel much like a barrier at all. But to the Jew and to the Gentile, too, of the first century, a societal revolution was occurring, which, again, was revealed beforehand in the Bible, but which took the people of that day by storm, so much so that even Peter and Barnabas lost sight of that work of Christ and had to be set straight by the Apostle Paul. There are things we would never know if God did not reveal them to us in his word. And even when we see them, we wouldn't understand them without his word. Now, there are no doubt some things which are that affect us uh, maybe deeply, but which we don't know and which haven't been revealed to us. For the things for which there is not, at least not yet, a compartment in our soul that would hold them. Things which are beyond uh, our present state. But there are other things which are almost in that category. Things which we, we just barely see that God in his wisdom tells us about. Knowing those things knowing they are, that they exist, that they are true, that we don't fully get it, somehow matters to our soul. And that's why God tells us these things. We can't 
quite see around the bend in the road or over the hill in front of us, but we know what's there because God has revealed it to us. But you and I come here Sunday after Sunday, and we are being built together into a spiritual temple which the living God indwells is one of those things. We don't fully understand it, but it matters to us, and it matters to how we live. The things we're going to talk about today are like that, almost in sight, but, but we know they're there because God tells us they are, and they can make a difference in the way we live our lives. Now, we've been talking about the church these many weeks now, something so familiar to us, and yet it is something which intersects eternity in surprising ways. The book of Ephesians reveals three more of those kinds of truths about the church, those things that we almost get that are right on the uh, edge of our being able to see and fully comprehend. And we're going to take some time this morning and look at them. So I'd like to invite you to join me in the book of Ephesians. Uh, We're going to begin in chapter 1, and then we're going to turn to chapter 3. And you can follow along in your Bible, or the guy up in the cave will have the text up on the screen on either side of me, and you can follow that way. So to begin, uh, the truth which we're going to look at first, which almost escapes our ability to understand, is that the church is the fullness of Christ. Verses 22 and 23 of chapter 1, we read this, And God placed all things under his feet, that is Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Now that much I think uh, we get. I mean, his power over everything, his authority over the church, which he died for, which is his, which he's in the process of building, is something I think we pretty readily understand. But what follows is uh, a little bit more challenging. The church, which is his body, and that's something for another day that we'll come back to. But here, the part we want this morning is this. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The church is the fullness of Christ. Now, I think, I think we get how Christ, uh, who is God, fills everything in every way. And, and, I, and I get that he fills the church, too. We, we understand that, right? But that the church is his fullness. That just simply staggers me. I mean, who knew? I know that the church universal spread out over the centuries, which includes those who are now perfected, would simply overwhelm us if we saw it in all of its glory. But what's said about that church somehow applies to us. It applies to every local expression of Christ's body. What can that possibly mean? Well, I have this this picture in my mind of a thimble. You know what a thimble is, that little metal cap that you put on your thumb if you're sewing? Well, okay, okay. Um, Imagine one of our little communion cups, right? And, and, And imagine that cup is being held underneath Niagara Falls, and and all of that downpour is somehow funneled into that little cup. Of course, it overflows and spreads out everywhere from there. 
<coughs> well, that thimble, that cup, that's our church. And the falls are God pouring himself into us and filling this church. And every true local expression of his body, um, he fills it. And he fills it with himself. And it's a fact that God pours himself into us that makes us the fullness of Christ. That's really what the picture is here. Christ who fills everything, especially fills his church so that we are the fullness of Christ. The water filling the cup drives out everything else. The water overflowing the cup provides refreshment for others. For an hour on Sunday morning, we are as close as we get to what we should be when we gather here, when we worship God and wait upon his word. God pouring himself into us together as the church, driving out everything else, cleansing us, and making us fit for his service. <clears throat> for this hour, he gives us of himself, so we have something to give others. We're given in abundance because the world around us is in such great need. We come to the well, and we draw water for the needy, and we go back out to where the thirsty are. Christ so fills the church that we are his fullness. You and I wouldn't be what we are without the church. You understand that God made us. He designed us so that we prosper in the church, so that all we become is because we're here where he wants us to be. Alone, maybe, maybe we won't wither, but we won't flourish. Whatever good we might do by ourselves would be multiplied exponentially beyond expectation by being a part of what is the fullness of Christ here on this church. Earth. I have to tell you something, friends. This is not my idea. Uh, I, I didn't make this up. It's not what I have thought. It's what Christ says. The church is the fullness of Christ. Christ himself fills us to the full of himself. Some things which happen in the church do not happen in any other place. Now, I, I don't fully understand this. I, I, I just have to be honest with you. I, I look at this, and, and I don't see it. <laughs> but then I look again, and there is something bigger and beyond than you and I. Somehow, our, our lives, when we gather together as the church, intersect eternity in such a way that we are more than just the sum of our parts, so that we are the local expression of the fullness of Christ. Does that matter? I know it does because the Word says it does, even if I don't fully get what's being said here. And if you're like me and you don't quite get that either, then you simply accept it as truth because God has revealed it to us in His Word. 
and trust God to use it as he will. Take him at his word and then leave the rest to him. That's called faith. And that alone, that one truth alone, that the church is the fullness of Christ, well, that ought to give you a reason to get out of bed on Sunday morning. It doesn't happen anywhere else, friends. What happens when we, when we meet here we intersect eternity in a way it does not happen in other places. And we become the fullness of Christ. That's the truth that, that I think we can just barely make out, but which God has revealed to us, and that is the church is his fullness, and he's revealed it to us because we need to know that. And I think it matters. It certainly matters to me and it matters to, to our motivation and why we gather here. If you come here just because you like the music or just because you, you uh, might happen to be able to put up with a preacher, you're coming for the wrong reasons. You come because God is here, because God meets with us, and because God is doing something in this body, and you, he wants you to be a part of that. The church is the fullness of Christ. And that's an astounding statement. The next thing we're going to look at takes us to chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. And, and there we're told that the church demonstrates God's wisdom in heaven itself. So let me read the passage. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Somehow, through us in this church, as well as in other churches, God is making known to spiritual beings in high places his complete and utter wisdom. And he knew. <laughs> and yet this was God's purpose for the church before the world began. For it says it was according to his eternal purpose. And Jesus Christ is the one who made it so. The thing which drives that point home, that we, through faith in Christ, can come to God with a free heart. That truth drives that home. Uh, or as the scripture puts it, we come to him with freedom and confidence. Now, how do we understand that? Well, somehow, somehow, God holds us up as an example to the inhabitants of the spiritual realm. He uses us. Why Bible church? We together, he uses us to point to to demonstrate his complete and full wisdom. Now, this week I heard a preacher, I, I, I was listening to a recording, he was talking about Job. And if you're familiar with the book of Job, you'll know that um, the angels uh, came together on a certain day before God and Satan was there. <clears throat> and God asked Satan if he had considered Job and how righteous he was. And the preacher thought as he read that encounter that God was kind of dangling Job before Satan like bait so Satan would attack him. 
<coughs> and then he realized how wrong he was, and he repented in his heart. He realized that God wasn't dangling Job before Satan. He was holding him up as an example, as a prized possession whom he loved. He was saying, look at my servant Job. Look at him. Look at what I have done in him. Look at what I am doing through him. That's what God does with the church. He holds us up as an example. We're his prize. We're his, we're his special possession. And somehow we demonstrate to heaven itself that God is completely wise. You and I can do that in our lives as we live out the faith, but the church declares it in an even more powerful way. You and I, because of what Christ has done in us, vindicate, can I use that word? We vindicate God Almighty and his wisdom and his plan. And we do that every time we approach him in freedom and with confidence of our faith because of what Christ has done for us. And it's in the church and through the church that we learn to do that. And there's more than that going on. You and I, we, we come together as different as we are. From different uh, jobs, different cultural backgrounds, different uh, thoughts, just different social settings. We come together as different ways are, and we come together as the local body of Christ, and we enter the presence of the living God in freedom and in confidence. And that's a testimony of the work of Christ in our lives. I love you guys. I, I do. I don't know if that just sounds like words to you, but I, I do. I love you. But if it wasn't for Christ in me and in you, I, I don't know how I feel. Because he lives in me, he changed me, and he's making me more like his son. And I have you in my heart because of that. It's the power of Christ. What? What is only ever seen in this world, if it's seen even then, happens only in family settings. But it's on display in the church of God that we love one another like we love our own parents and our own children. And that love is perfected because of God's presence in the church. Now, I don't understand it all. There, there's some kind of a spiritual battle going on around us. And often, I know we think of ourselves as targets, that the, the devil and his cohorts are out to destroy us, which they are. <laughs> but we're more than mere pawns, and we're more than just soldiers. We are the proof that God's wisdom is right, that he, what he planned to do through his son before time began, that his wisdom is right, we demonstrate that over and over again. And the church stands on the side of all that is holy and good. Not to tell you, there's a corollary to this, I think. It's an argument from the greater to the lesser. 
If we declare God's wisdom in the heavenly realms, then how much more do we declare it in the earthly regions? The freedom and confidence that we have when it comes to God. Not born of ignorance nor presumption and certainly not out of fear, but through faith in Christ. That freedom and confidence demonstrates to the world the wisdom of God. We are living proof that Christianity is real. I don't know any other way to say it than that. Now, if you know the story of Job, you know that Satan did attack him uh, viciously and repeatedly. And you know that Job was not perfect, but he never gave up the faith. And so he stood the test and so further and fully vindicated God. And we will be attacked viciously and repeatedly, and we are not perfect. But together, we can stand the test and we can demonstrate God's wisdom in the heavenly realms and to those around us here on this earth. The church is the fullness of Christ in our world and it demonstrates the manifold wisdom of God to the heavenly realms and to others too. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? And finally, we're told... That the church together with Jesus Christ brings eternal glory to God. Verses 20 and 21 of chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, (coughs) excuse me, according to his power that is at work with us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The church brings eternal glory to God. And, and I want you to see, if you've never noticed it before, do you see the honor that the church is given in verse 21? Christ Jesus brings eternal glory to God, and so do we together with Christ. Who knew that we would be placed on such a high plane? It's not just Christ's voice which echoes through time declaring the praises of God, but our voice brings glory and praise to him also. We bring glory to God in our day and our time. The church, has, as the church has done throughout the centuries, what happens here today is an honor to Christ and it brings glory to God. But we will bring glory to him both now and forever and ever. How do we do that? I mean, once we're on the other side, when we're perfected, when we become like Jesus because we see him as he is, it's easy to see then how we'll bring glory to God. But now, in our day and our time, how do we do that? Well, we do that because, as the Bible says, We are like him, even in this world. Do you get that? All the forces of Satan arrayed against us, the world itself pushing against us, our sinful nature working against us, and somehow in this world, though we are not perfect, we are like Christ. Not perfect. We still sin, but God is at work in our lives. He is at work in our lives both personally and corporately, meaning the church. In my life, I honor God. 
least I try, as I live out my faith. And the church displays to the world around us something of what God will do when we are with him in heaven. It goes back again to that love that we have for one another and the love that we have for God. The church brings glory to God. And don't miss the point here. All of this happens not because we are so good or so capable, but as the text says, it's because of him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. You remember that fullness of God being poured into us as a church? What, what's happening to us? How is that changing us? So that we become the kind of people, the kind of church that brings glory to him. All his power at work in us, which enables us to bring glory to God both now and for more and for more. And again, the church is intersecting eternity in a way that we could not have guessed. But here's another one of those things being revealed to us. Maybe another example of help. You know, I, I, I like to sing. I, I told you that. Uh, I don't have a talent for it. That's the problem, but I like to sing. <laughs> and if you heard uh, what I wished I heard when I sang, you'd know how beautiful my singing would be if I could sing, right? <laughs> I think when I'm alone. I'm here in the church, and I sing to my God. I, I think I'm glorifying him when I do that. It's coming from my heart. Something different happens when I'm in church. My singing is, because it blends with other voices. Um, somehow, it becomes a thing of beauty. I mean, heard by itself, it, it may not be so much, but mixed with the voices of other believers, together with them, I sound better. <laughs> When I first became a Christian, I went to a church where the music was powerful. And the guy that led me to the Lord sat right next to me. We'd stand and we'd sing together. He was as bad as I am or worse. He couldn't carry a tune. But I loved what I heard what he sang. And somehow that blended together. And it brought glory to God. The blending of sound, beautiful voices, and those which aren't quite beautiful, takes on a wonder of its own. And somehow, together, together, we bring glory to God. The church is the fullness of Christ in our world. And it demonstrates the manifold wisdom of God to the heavenly realm and to others too. And the church together with our Savior, brings glory to God in our own day and forever and ever. Who knew? <laughs> Who could have known? And being told we admit we just barely see it. But God has spoken. And we hear. And we believe. We accept we know that just around the next bend or over the hill, it's there. And when we make that turn and reach the crest of the hill, we will see it clearly. And in the meantime, we will live as though we had already seen it. We will take God at his word, and we will live by faith. 
We will be God's people on Sunday morning. We will be with his people on Sunday morning. The fullness of him who fills everything. Demonstrating to the heavenly realms and to all others that God is completely and utterly wise in all that he plans and does. And we will, together with our Savior, bring glory to God, both now and forevermore. And even if we don't say, even when we don't understand, we believe. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Glory be to God. All glory. Can I pray, please? Uh, Father, um, once again, things that uh, kind of uh, almost swamp our understanding, and yet we know that you want us to hear and understand these things as much as we can. And more importantly, you simply want us to trust you with that truth and to live these things out, believing that it matters in more ways than we can understand. Thank you for my friends here, my brothers and sisters who put their faith in you, who love you. Thank you for the example that they are to me uh, over and over again. Uh, And I pray for your blessing on them. In Jesus' name, amen.